Hallelujah. We had a, a meeting here yesterday uh, for our teenagers and for the parents of our teenagers. And uh, one thing that came out of the whole meeting was the, the need of dedication and, and uh, commitment. And uh, uh, we need you to keep our youth group under prayer. But, uh, you know, Christ wants to be first, not second or third or fourth or down the list somewhere. Christ wants to be first in our lives. And we're told to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else kind of takes its normal place. We're to worship the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul and all our mind. And uh, he said, I'm a jealous God. I shall have no other gods before me. Billy Sunday said, I don't like botany, but I love flowers. I don't like zoology, but I love animals. I don't like geology, but I lo uh, love rocks. I don't like uh, astronomy, but I love stars. He said, I hate theology, but I love Jesus. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And one of his commandments is that we're to love one another. Amen? And uh, we're, we're to... We're to put God first. God's got to be number one in our hearts. And uh, Jesus wants, to, wants the first of everything. God wants the first of everything. He wants the, the first uh, of our years. And if you'll open to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. You know, it's such a wonderful, wonderful thing to be young. And I can remember how carefree things were in my youth. Uh, about the only things I worried about was, uh, do I have as good a clothes as other people in my class? Uh, I kind of worried a little bit if I missed, uh, missed a meal. 
there wasn't too many things that burdened me down. But you know, there is a day coming that you, it says here that you're not going to have too much pleasure in them. And uh, the older you get, the less pleasure a day brings to you. That's why we need to seek God in our youth. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Uh, as a young person, uh, sometimes it, uh, time just doesn't seem to mean too much to us. And because it doesn't mean too much to us, it really seems so unimportant, we're apt to waste time. Uh, you know, we can find time for whatever we want to find time for. And uh, it seems like, you know, I got time for this, I got time for that. And poor God, he has to take a back seat. You know, uh, what, whatever's left over, I'll give to God. We got time for television. We got time for uh, sports. We got uh, time for this and we got time for that. Uh, we got time to go skating. We got uh, time to go swimming. Uh, and hey, there's nothing wrong with these things. Don't, don't think that I'm down on these type things. I'm not. They're important. I think our, our young people uh, gain so much from, from uh, uh, having these kind of things in, in their youth. And uh, they can look back on their youth and say, oh, I had so much fun back there. That's great. You need it, all right? But uh, it's so easy to rob God of the time that belongs to him. And the patterns we set up in our youth are kind of the things that control our lives you know, the older I get, the harder it is to change. And my wife can verify that. She says that I'm, I, I just never change. Uh, well, maybe with good reason she says that. Uh, but Lamentation 3 and verse 27 says, It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. I think that as young people, you have certain responsibilities. And if we just allow our young people to do whatever they want to do when they want to do it, and we don't set up certain parameters for them, uh, we're cheating them. They have to bear responsibility, especially for their own actions. 
And it's time for our young people to learn that uh, church is important. And the Great Commission is not just for old Mr. Saunders or old brother Rook. It's a commission to his church. And the young people are as much a part of the church as the council that will be meeting tomorrow night or the Sunday school staff. We're all a part of this church. It belongs to the people. The people make up the church. It's not my church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And there's no such thing as an unimportant work of God. It's time that our young people take a hold of this great commission and begin to run with it. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. What are we training our children? Are we giving them good examples? Would my children know by the way I respond that church is important? Or am I just saying by my actions, I want the church there, but I'm not willing to put everything into it. I mean, it's nice, and I'd like it there, but only when I want it there. Look at Titus chapter 2, please. Titus chapter 2. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, 
in all things, showing yourselves to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing, nothing evil to say of you. Someone set up in the Sunday school class this morning that it doesn't start in the, the school, it doesn't start in the church, it starts in the home. The things that we teach our children is a responsibility we have before God. And we can delegate that authority but that doesn't make us any less responsible for it. And if they're not taught integrity and they're not taught to be chaste, uh, if they're not taught to be discreet, if they're not taught to love their husbands in the home, where are they going to be taught that? Not in the school. They may teach sex education in our school, but it's sure not going to be in the way that it should be taught. We need to start in the home to teach the things that are right. And one of the things that are right is that the church is important, that God is important, that he demands number one place in your life. If we don't teach that at home, where are they going to learn it? Jesus wants our first years. He not only wants our first years, but he wants our first day. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2 says, On the first day... Of the week. Let each of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collection when I come. You see, the first day of the week is the day that we worship. The first day of the week in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day and the first day of the week are very important to us as Christians. Now, in the Old Testament, they were commanded to that the Sabbath day be set aside and it be kept holy. But we as believers, it was on the first day of the week that Christ rose from the dead. The first day of the week is when things happen. Acts 20 and verse 7 
we find Paul preaching not on Saturday, but on the first day of the week. And so we as Christians have set aside Sunday, which is the first day of the week, and we ought to, this is the first. And God demands our first, not our second, third, fourth, but our first. The first day of the week ought to be set aside for God. It's his day. It's a day that we need. You know, the Sabbath wasn't made for man, but the man was made for the Sabbath. We're, we're, our, God had man in mind when he set aside a day. He had man in mind. I may have got that backwards there. Don't, don't hold me to it, okay? But what I'm saying is, God had man in mind. And he had you in mind for the first day of the week. This is a time for you to come in and worship. This is a time for you to come in and be edified. This is a time for you to come in and be strengthened. This is a time that you gather from God. God communicates with you, strengthens you for the week ahead. It's not an obligation. Someone asked me one time, will you go to hell if you don't attend church on Sunday? Or every time the doors are open? No. No. It doesn't depend on whether you go to church or not. But let me say this. You don't have to be a Christian, just be, to go to church doesn't make you a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you want to go to church. You see, when we gather together, something special takes place. Christ said, where two or three are gathered together, I am in your midst. When we gather here as a body of Christ, that's a special occasion. Christ is here. And he ministers through his body. And how can you be a Christian all by yourself out somewhere and be severed from the body. If you never go to church, how could you be a part of the body? You, you want to be there because that's where the body is meeting. It's important. If it's not important, what are we doing here? In Hebrews, we're told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And the more so as we, what? See the day approaching. 
I believe that we're living in the last days. That means it's more important that we gather together now than it ever was before. But it also tells me that there is going to come a falling away. That there's going to come a day when people will not want to gather together. Or maybe they can't gather together. Maybe too many other things are biting for their time and they just can't make it. However it is, God is warning against the fact that we need to gather together. We need one another. The love of many is going to go cold in the last days. I believe that's a love for God and a love for, for one another and a love for the church. We, we, we need each other. And it's so easy to stay home. Hey, I get headaches and I feel tired just like everyone else. But we need to make a commitment. It's the only way it'll work. Thirdly, Jesus wants the first fruits of our income. He wants our first years. He wants our first day. He wants the first fruit of our income. Leviticus 27. Verse 30 and 31. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. That never changed with the New Testament. Nowhere did he say it's no longer the Lord's. This planet belongs to the Lord. Did you know that? Everything on this planet, he made it. It's his. And when we take of the first fruits and we give them to the Lord, verse 31, if a man wants uh, at all to redeem any of his tithe, he shall add one-fifth to it. That's pretty stiff interest. He's saying, all right, you can, you can keep your tithe if you want. But when you do pay it, add a fifth to it. There's interest on it. Because the first fruit belongs to him. And when you pay the first fruit, you're recognizing him as God. The fact that he owns this planet. The fact that he owns everything that you've got. And when you give a tithe, you are recognizing God as God. People say, well, I've heard you say that's an Old Testament principle. Sure it is. 
Absolutely. But did God ever do away with it? Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 23. Verse 23. Here he's getting on the, the Pharisees and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe and mint and anise and cum. Now is that why he's, he's calling them uh, hypocrites? No. Because they have neglected the weightier matters of the law, just, uh, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, now listen, without leaving the other undone. In other words, he's not on them about tithing. He's saying you ought to tithe, but you should also have faith and mercy and these type things. And just by those, this one statement, he's saying tithing is still all right. And so we ought to tithe. So he wants the first of our years. He wants the first day. He wants the first fruits. And last of all, Jesus wants first place in our life. Matthew 16 and verse 26. What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Over in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 and 20, it says, You're not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, we're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. See, we act like we belong to ourselves. <laughs> Jesus bought and paid for us. I am not my own. I belong to God. And therefore, God ought to be able to do with my life as he wants to do with my life. But I treat God like this is my life and I'll give you what's left over. And that's a common attitude. What can I give God in exchange for my life, for my soul? What can I give him? The only thing I can give God is mentioned over in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. 
The only thing I can do is give myself to God. That's the only thing that is acceptable. He doesn't, he doesn't want my things. He wants me. He already owns everything. So why does, you know, it's not my money he wants. It's not my things he wants. He wants me. Present your bodies. If Jesus has the first years of your life, if Jesus has the first day of the week, if Jesus has the first fruits of your income, if Jesus has the first place in your life, then Jesus has us. And that's what we got to teach. That's what we have to preach. Because that's what this book says. And to say, well, I'm sorry, band is more important than Jesus. The football game is more important than Jesus. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, I have a problem. Because where does a pastor separate his dedication to Jesus from family. Where where does where do I say, hey, enough is enough. My family comes before this. And my wife will tell you, I've always had a problem in that area. I don't know. But I'm gonna tell you, Jesus demands first. And anything less than first is not acceptable. And if we're going to get the things done that Jesus has told us to do, if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission, he's got to have first place, not second or third. Not whatever's left over. I believe that the church is the work of God, but he does it through his people. Building a building is only for our own convenience. That's, that's it. This, there's nothing that makes this building holy other than the fact that we've set it aside for God's use. That's all. And the fact that we come in here and the body of Christ meets here is the only thing that makes it any different from any other building. The thing is, God wants to use us. We're the church. And it's kind of hard. And I, I, I don't know the answer to it. I know God has called me here to minister to the body until we all come to the unity of the faith that's what we're told over in Ephesians 
And I just don't know how to do it when I can't get the body of Christ together. If anybody has some ideas for me, would you help me out, please? I'm here to minister to you, but I can't minister to you unless I have an opportunity. And it's the same with the youth group. Uh, the youth group can't be ministered to unless they're here. The WMs can't be ministered to unless they're here. I mean, it's a branch of, they were the mission uh, women's ministries group. That used to be the women's missionary group, I think. Is that right? But the whole idea is collectively we can do something for Jesus. Separately, we all do a lot less. And I think that, that some of these programs are important to the growth of our church. If they're not important, like, like Sandy, I think it was, said yesterday, you know, uh, about Sunday school, uh, if, if we don't, if we cancel youth group, next thing we'll cancel Sunday school, then we'll cancel Wednesday night service, and then we'll cancel Sunday night service. Hey, don't, don't, don't uh, look at me like I'm crazy. These things happen. Look at some of your mainline churches. And the next thing you know, you might just well cancel church. But you can't minister to empty pews. It doesn't do any good, to, you know. And so what it really means is that all of us have to be dedicated. Sold out. Putting our effort forward to make this thing work that Jesus has commanded us to do. And I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. I need you. And I, I don't care what ministry you'd call in here. You can't do it alone. No matter how great your leadership is, how great your sermons are, if you don't have people to minister to uh, and we're not working together and there isn't that unity and that oneness and that dedication, we can't give you the programs you want and the first thing you know, you got people wandering off to other churches where they can have their needs met. And the church doesn't grow. I've said a lot of things here that I really didn't intend to this morning, but I, I believe they needed to be said. And I think God is calling for us to put Him first.
Would you bow your heads with me?